welcome back to the Rebuildable Podcast. I'm Matt Gentile alongside Drew Stevens. Hollywood, how you doing, man? <laughs> I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. <laughs> how are you? I, I'm doing great, but dude, like between the last time we had our last episode and now, you, my friend, had a big appearance on the CHGO Bulls podcast. That happened last week. First off, you did a fantastic job. Um, and it was really cool seeing how tall you actually are. Because, like, we've kind of hinted to you're, you know, you're six foot six. And seeing it, it on camera, I was like, wow, yeah, he's 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 tall. He's big. Good stuff, Drew. It was really, really cool to see you on on one of the best daily podcasts for the Chicago Bulls. Well, first of all, man, I appreciate you. Um, I have to slip you your your money a little bit later for all those those great compliments you just gave me. Um, but it was just, dude, it was fun, man. Fortunate enough to get an invite um, and was able to make that make that happen, make that work. Uh, it was an honor to be on there with those guys and be able to sit and we'll got leave seat for a second and and chat it up with Big Dave and Matt Peck, who are also tall and they're all in their own right. Um, I had seen Matt Peck at a game this season. I had never met Big Dave in person, but both of those guys are everything and more in terms of, you know, what you hear from them on, on podcasts and just how down to earth everyday Joe, real good guys they are. They're the same way in person, same way off camera. Um, so I really appreciate them having me on. It was a lot of fun. A um, little bit of anxiety. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big worry wart, and I've, I've noticed that as I get older, uh, it, it's kind of gotten worse. You know, um, I'm, a, I'm a victim of my own mind games. Mm. So lead, leading up to the appearance, I was, you know, I was, I was of the mind that just thinking about everything that could go wrong. Or, man, what if this happens? Like, one, I'm, I'm one of those people. Unfortunately, I'm trying to work on that and get better at that. Because in all honesty, throughout my entire life, nothing has ever gone as bad as my mind tries to tell me it's going to go. Never, never once, never once. Like it always goes typically much better than what I go into it thinking it's going to be. Well, here's the thing, Drew. You're, you're knowledgeable about basketball. You're knowledgeable about the league. You're knowledgeable about the Bulls. And as long as that shines through, I mean, you always come off, I think, very polished and confident. So nobody ever notices it. At least I I never notice it, even when you do say it, because you've brought it up kind of like before we've started an episode or something like about nerves or not not feeling like I don't know that much about that. But you're always good. I I feel like it always shines through your knowledge and your confidence, what you're talking about. So um, you did not seem rattled or phased at all. You seem like you were in a very natural element. So um, and like I think what's cool is, you know, Matt Peck and, and Big Dave, those two, I think, really are great at, like, calming it down and getting you into a casual conversation. Because I've I've had both of them on uh, in the early days of the Rebuildable podcast, and they both came on the same episode. And it was literally just, like, sitting at a bar talking with your friends about the Bulls. So they really also, I think, do a great job kind of, like, getting you in that mold and mindset when you start chatting with them. They really do. I think that I, if if I came across 
regular and normal and it came across as like barbershop talk i owe it all to those two guys for sure because they they did exactly what you just said like they just they, they just kind of have this calming presence about them and they have a way of just making everything seem natural and organic so it felt like that in the moment you know it, it felt like things were just uh moving from topic to topic subject to subject just really organically you know even to them I think there was an ad read they did and, um, you know, Big Dave went into the whole reunited, man. You know what I mean? So just mm. that kind of thing, like like chipping in with that. It felt it felt very – it felt at home, I guess, with those two guys. Usually I listen to the podcast on Spotify. So I only get the audio version of it, but I decided to watch the YouTube version of it just to see the live stream, see you be able to drop a super chat. And then (laughs) I'm watching it and it is amazing. Like you can kind of see how everything is so seamless, even with like ad reads and stuff like that. It's really fun to watch. Like they definitely have like a rhythm of how they read the different ad reads because you listen to them on Spotify. You hear the same ones all the time, like for Shady Rays and all that stuff and when you watch it though it makes it way more entertaining it must have been interesting to witness that right next to them too it 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 really was man they they are um very good at what they do the producer steven very good at what he does as well there's you know there's a lot kind of going on um in the background but you know they, they they don't make it seem as if anything is happening off camera they like you said they flow from one thing to the next uh, very naturally. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how the Bulls podcasting world has evolved. Like as somebody that has listened to like uh, a lot of the podcasts that have been around for years in their infancy and seeing like how this new version of daily podcasts have come about, you know, with Lockdown Bulls first, I think was one of the, the biggest ones. We saw like Bulls talk kind of come around when Tony Gill went over to uh, NBC Sports Chicago and now you see this with CHGO, and I think CHGO has become probably one of my favorite and most listened to podcasts for sure. So it was kind of cool. See two worlds collide, see, you know, co-host on it. And it's awesome that that Matt and and Big Dave, they stay they stay true to who they are. They stay humble. I love that they give people a chance to come on that are uh, newer to the space because I forget. You've only been really into the space in terms of writing and whatnot for what the last three years. Um, yeah, it's about the start of the pandemic. And, yeah, because yeah. I remember like with the articles originally that you wrote, that was sort of your your first foray into it. And I'm glad that that Dave really called that part out too of, of your ability as a writer because you know I, I've said that minute you joined the podcast like that. To me, is like you, you, you have a very, very gifted talent for writing, and you also bring those thoughts out chatting. Not everybody can do that, so yeah. I didn't mean to set this up as a segment to kiss your ass the whole time, but <laughs> I'm happy to see you on that kind of a space too, and to get some more of that notoriety with with some of the different you know people in Bulls Nation to kind of get more exposure to the different types of mediums you do. So great job. Awesome work, and thank you for plugging the podcast. Definitely appreciate that, too. That was great at the beginning and end of the the CHGO pod to see some love for Rebuildable. Definitely love that. Of course, of course. I, although I will say, I think Matt 
had already, Matt Peck already shouted us, the podcast, you out before I even really had to say anything. Um, going back to something you said about Matt Peck and Big Dave earlier, like they just, there isn't the, the elbowing and, you know, this is our platform. We own Bulls content. They're very much welcoming of any and everybody who puts the time into creating content, whether it be written, uh, whether it be through this podcast medium. They really are accepting and welcoming of anybody who gives this much attention and energy to the Bulls. I mean, I think I I tweet and think about the Bulls at a very unhealthy amount. <laughs> So I, I'm just I, I'm glad that somebody out there is is obliging all my energy and the time I put into looking at what people may think are meaningless stats, just because it's, it's to me it's fun to do and and to have people kind of rock with that, you know, it, it means the world to me, man. No, no doubt, and it, it just goes to show you, like, and, and I think it's really cool within the Bulls podcasting sphere. It does seem like there's a lot of podcasts and, and podcasters, and content creators that are kind of all pulling on the same end of the rope, trying to get everybody involved within the space. So like you have different shows that do these like crossover episodes, have, you know, one host on their show as a guest and vice versa. And it's great to see, yeah. um, you know, there's always going to be some in the space that are going to be a little more apt to, to take shots and. Uh, not want to play nice in the sandbox every now and then, but that's fine. I mean, it is what it is. You're, you're going to have that. But I think for the most part, you see a, a really good camaraderie within the Bulls podcasting sphere, which is which is awesome. Um, one last question. The shirtless wonder guy, because I always <laughs> listen to that podcast. And, you know, I listen to that one in the, the Bears Daily podcast, CHGO Bears. And you hear about this guy that that's outside on the balcony shirtless you said he looked like what was it was uh, it evan fournier evan fournier <laughs> that's not the visual that i expected i i thought like kind of old chubby south side chicago you know kind of guy or is it like that with evan fournier's like hairline and face no no it's it's do it really look like evan fournier man and then what what i you know, imagine his torso area may look like. I'm sure it doesn't look exactly like that because he's a professional athlete. But that that was my first thought when 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 Big Dave pointed him out. I said, "Oh my God, dude, that's Evan Fournier over there, man!" This whole time, because like you, like I'm, I'm accustomed to them mentioning him on the podcast, and then I actually see who it is who bombards their podcast on almost yeah. a daily basis. It was, that was funny. That was, that was very funny, man. Oh my God. That's awesome. <laughs> well, again, congrats. And hopefully, hopefully many more guest appearances for you on, on that podcast and other podcasts too, for, for the Chicago bulls. Um, do want to get into some things that have happened since our last episode, aside from that. So of course we talked about all those, those new additions, Last time we spoke, so talked about you know Javon Carter, Tory Craig, Kobe White resigning, Nikola Vucevic resigning. One of the players that I think when free agency opened up, we thought would be back was Io Desumu. And as time went on, though, 
from the moment free agency opened up to about sometime last week, it was sort of in the air. And there was even, I know, some uh, rumors out there that maybe Iowa was thinking about leaving or that you know, the way that the Bulls were looking to set up the roster, that maybe he wouldn't have a spot back on the team. But on Friday last week, he re-signs for three years, $21 million. So he's back just a, a little bit more than what he would have gotten on the qualifying offer of $5 million. But when you look at the percentage of what that makes up with the cap, $7 million is not bad for a guy you're bringing back. You know, after two years, I'd say it's about what you expect from a second-round pick. But what were your thoughts just on the Bulls bringing Io DeSumo back? I'll get into my thoughts on it, but what were your your thoughts on the Bulls re-signing Io DeSumo? I was very surprised at the dollar amount. Happy for Io DeSumo. Obviously, we want these guys to get their money. This is their livelihood. But I thought that the Bulls sending him to get an offer sheet and letting this amount of time go past without making any headway in negotiations was to possibly bring him back for a deal that at least started lower than his qualifying offer, which I believe was like 5.2 million. It seems as though I'm pretty sure this three-year deal is going to be, you know, somewhere in the sixes, uh, at least starting off. I think uh, Will Gottlieb tweeted out um, 6.6 or something like that. Uh, the first year, I don't remember the second and third years, but I, that that initially surprised me that he's back on a deal that's going to be worth more per year than what that quali- qualifying offer was. And it all just, it all stems from, like we're judging this against how much money they have left to spend, where they are in terms of the luxury tax and whether or not they're going to go into it or not. So that's that's kind of where I'm judging or was judging that contract on. Still am judging that contract on, but I'm happy for Al Dusumu. I think it's, it's right to bring him back. I'm still um, wanting to know kind of what those negotiation processes were like that, that bumped him up ahead of that qualifying offer. I'm not, again, happy for, the, happy for him to get his money, not trying to count that man's money but just where does it go from here where do the bulls go to fill out the rest of their roster and how does that contract that they gave to io affect things moving forward Mm -hmm. and i I think that's going to be the uh multi-million dollar question i guess um you know how does that affect the roster construction because i think the bulls still you know they have that biannual exception i think still left right so about four and a half million dollars um, they've used the non-payer mid-level on Javon Carter. You still have that disabled player exception, although that it seems like that's going to be a device used probably as we get into the season and maybe in a trade chip if they want to bring in pieces if they are, you know, actually competing in the you know upper echelon of the Eastern Conference. So it'll be interesting to see with with that. I think like roughly how much. How much do they again have left in cap space? Like we're according to Spotrack, they have three point four million left, and that's with the, that's with the Carlick Jones guarantee figured in, or is it if 
Now that I'm not a hundred percent sure of. Yeah, no need to. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. Like I was just kind of like it's it's. I think those are like the the things we got to think about. Like if it's you know, do you have to start thinking like you know, you have this glut at the guard spot, but you you might not have the lockdown point guard, but you definitely have a glut at that position at the guard position. So like. Same as last season, right? When they brought right. in Goran Dragic. So, you know, are you looking then to say goodbye to Carlick Jones so you open up a little more cap space, open up another roster spot? It's definitely going to be interesting to see. Um, just to get back to to, to Sumu, though, I, I do have some thoughts on this because um, my initial reaction was I, I was shocked a little bit because I was thinking as longer that this dragged out, I was starting to get that feeling like, okay, maybe maybe he's exploring another team about to sign another offer sheet. And, you know, with the way that, I guess with Summer League and everything, kind of watching Javon Freeman Liberty, which we'll definitely get into him, I was starting to think, like, maybe maybe they are leaning on or leaning toward letting Io walk. But, um, you know, I, and I think I would have had a problem with that too because as much as I like the Javon Freeman Liberty story, I like the Io DeSumo story maybe a little bit better, right? Because he at least has two years of NBA experience under his belt. And you can't deny that there's still plenty of untapped potential with him. And again, this might be my Illini fandom speaking um, and overtaking my my DePaul alumni status. Um, But there's just something that I think is still left Ryo DeSumo with the Chicago Bulls. And and I don't think if you're the Bulls, you can get in the habit of letting a young, intriguing prospect walk. And I know that's like two conflicting, you know, messages because, yes, you, you let Javon Freeman Liberty essentially walk. Um, but, again, this is somebody with in Ayo DeSumo, has an NBA track record, you know, has started games for you, has played key minutes for you, and still probably has more to grow. You know, we talk about what he can do more offensively, especially developing a better outside shot. And you hope that comes with time and you want to let that play out. So for me, giving him a little bit of a raise over the qualifying offer, about a million dollars, two million dollars more than maybe what he would have gotten. I think I'm okay with that, knowing that you get to keep a young, intriguing prospect as part of your core. So, you know, having... Kobe White back, DeSumo back, Selvin Patrick Williams around, you know, you add Julian Phillips into the mix. It is nice that there are some, you know, young, intriguing pieces, especially when you had a year where you were void of first round draft capital, right? It's nice to to at least have that and to have that player. And you, know, you also think about this. He was part of a draft where you also were without a first round pick because of that Nikola Vucevic trade. And it was a big deal that he was able to fall to you in that spot. So I think it's the right move to, to bring him back and, and keep him around as part of this core. Yeah, I'm definitely not mad at it. And, you know, <laughs> for somebody who, who's never been on the big boy roster, there was a lot of hubbub over Javon Freeman Liberty signing that two-way deal with the Toronto Raptors. I think I yeah. fell into that as well. 
Same and, and, and I think it's, it's it's almost natural because we, as human beings, we fall into being prisoners of the moment. The last thing we saw from Iowa was him kind of struggle through his sophomore season while we watched another Chicago kid and Freeman Liberty just kind of take off in, in these summer league games. So it's that juxtaposition of knowing that you have on one side Ayo Dusumu, who is a known commodity as far as we've seen him step in to a role he wasn't necessarily supposed to be in during his first year and really kind of take off. We've seen him go through struggles during his second year in, in a few aspects, namely three-point shooting, which his team obviously we know uh, sorely lacked. And then you also have Javon Freeman Liberty, who just he looked like a pro. Like every game of the summer league, he looked like somebody that could play with the big three of the Chicago Bulls in some sort of capacity. He didn't seem to be somebody who would be a mark on defense, you know, like a mm. like a wash on that side of the course. So I think all of that kind of lended itself to the I don't know, firestorm is probably too too strong of a word, but just the amount of of chatter that went on between everybody on Bulls Twitter in regards to Javon Freeman Liberty and Ayo Dusumu. Not to, not, not to say that one had to leave for the other to be here, but um, obviously JFL was a big topic of discussion. And then there's another part of me that just feels like his opportunity with the Bulls just wasn't really going to be there especially with Ayo Dusumu coming back. Mm -hmm. So you're happy for him to go somewhere that looks like it's going to be a a situation where they're rebuilding, possibly, and he can get more opportunities. Yeah, and I I think part of this is also Bulls fans feeling a little, I don't know, spurned by bad decisions made with G League spots because you think about, you know, go back to Spencer Dinwiddie, right? (laughs) You know, you had him in your system, and now he's gone and, and becoming a, a solid NBA player. Max Struess is a great example of that. You know, he's played a huge role for the Miami Heat and now got a massive payday with the Cleveland Cavaliers. So there's been these guys that have been in the system and the Bulls have let get away. And I I won't lie, like I am a little little scared about that, I guess. And I, I guess I should, you know, subscribe to what Stacey King says, right? If I'm if I'm scared, go buy a dog. <laughs> um, you know, these are the calculated risks you have to take. I guess for me, I might have been more apt to give one of the two way contracts to Javon Freeman Liberty here in Chicago. Um, but again, it's also his decision to make. Like it's very possible. Like you kind of think of of what transpired in that what twenty four hour window. You know, you sign, what is it, on your on your lot bitum from from Turkey. Take one of those two-way spots. Sounds like Justin Lewis is taking the other one of the other two-way spots, according to Mark Eversley. Um, and then we have, of course, Adamo Sonogo taking a two-way spot. So those three spots all get filled up. But that, you know, bitum contract kind of comes, what, a, I think, what was it, earlier that day on yeah. Friday? And then you have Io re-signing, and then you have Javon Freeman Liberty signing with Toronto on a two-way deal. So something tells me maybe maybe there was something in the works. 
it's very possible that the Bulls might have offered it to him, and he looked at it and said, well, if Io's coming back, like if I'm, maybe there's a hunch that this is happening, then maybe he's thinking the best option for me is to go to the team that I might have the best chance of breaking through to. So I know Bulls fans probably don't want to hear that, but it, you know, it does take two to tango in order yeah. to to sign one of those deals. But um, like, yeah, I, I'll be honest. Like I, I do wish that maybe one of those spots was given to him, but I could definitely see it from his side. If he wants to go to Toronto and maybe have a chance to break through on the, on the big roster. Yeah. I definitely think there's some PTSD and, and not just about the guys who got away, but the guys who've been sitting at the end of the bench, even though they're 13, 14, 15 men, the Marco Samanoviches of the world, um, Malcolm Hills of the world. What we saw from JFL was like, man, you, you want you want to try to fill each seat on that bench with somebody who can theoretically contribute in, in some shape, form, or fashion. And I also think the way that Alan Terry's summer league went played into the reaction of Bulls fans um, about what they saw from, from JFL as well. I don't think, like, if he had a, a stellar summer league, you know, that's one more spot that you feel pretty good about, and maybe you're not as concerned about JFL getting a spot. Um, Carly Jones, you know, we're not sure if his deal is going to be guaranteed. I think it seems like they're at least going to go into the season with him on the roster. Uh, I think his contract is guaranteed up to $250,000 come opening night. So we'll see what happens there. But it, it'll be something interesting to track this season, how JFL does, um, not even in comparison to anybody else on the Bulls roster, but just looking to see what he does with his opportunities. And, of course, I'm sure if, if he does um, excel, which I'm, I, I hope that everybody would want for him, <laughs> we're going to hear a lot about it on Twitter or otherwise. I mean, you know it, <laughs> especially if he does come out and, you know, has a, gets a chance up with Toronto and, and starts balling. I mean, we know we're going to hear about that. Um, but, you know, you, you mentioned like the, the state of the roster and especially with IO back, like Javon Freeman Liberty would have had a, a tough time breaking through, you know, again injuries happen and that's when you hopefully can make your way through the rotation and maybe that could have been his way of breaking through with the bulls because you know you kind of look at it right now i mean if we look at just like a 10-man rotation with the roster as is now again the bulls are at 13 guys if you include carlick jones um but if you look at just like a 10-man rotation right you got carter kobe Zach, Io, Demar, Caruso, Williams, uh, Craig, Vooch, Drummond are probably your mainstay ten man rotation. Mm-hmm. And then you have Dalen Terry, Julian Phillips, Carlick Jones. So now, very possible. Like you know, Dalen Terry is probably the next man up if you're looking for guy to fill in at at the guard spot. Right now, I would think so or really guard or you know small forward spot um 
it's very possible. Yeah, Javon Freeman Liberty might have been able to fill that void. But then again, like I hate to say this, we don't. It's hard because we don't know. Like him balling out in summer league and having some flashes, I think in G League. Does that mean that translates to the NBA level? You know, like we we don't know that. We we don't. Yeah, I, we've seen guys flash a lot in summer league. I Doug McDermott, Tony Snell, doesn't always pan out. So, and I get it. They, we just got burned by the whole you know Max Strew stuff, and and again Spencer Dinwiddie, and I'm sure I'm even missing other folks, but. You know, it's very possible, too, that Javon Freeman Liberty just ends up being a guy. And maybe Dale and Terry actually is the better NBA player. And we maybe just saw him in summer league just kind of, I don't know, trying shit out. Like we, we won't know. I guess we won't know until we get to the actual, get to the actual action in preseason yeah. and, and this year. But yeah, it would have been hard. I mean, honestly, it it would have been hard to to see him break through. Yeah, we just we got to wait to see the the movie play out now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I it it'll be interesting, and and you know, I'm kind of hoping that you know maybe he has a a successful run, but maybe somebody else can break through for the Bulls. Maybe Dale and Terry can do that. Maybe Julian Phillips can do that, and. It's all worth it. Um, Let me ask you but, this. Yeah. You put on the spot. <laughs> Who gets the most minutes this year between Dalen Terry and Julian Phillips? Who, Who's going to play more? It's a good question. Um, I mean, just looking at it depth-wise, I mean, I would think maybe Julian Phillips might get it and and a lot's being made about what he can do defensively right away so you know maybe that high energy defensive guy gets the gets the nod and you kind of look at where he'd be slotted in right you know williams craig vooch drummond that's kind of what you're looking at the you know four or five so i could see maybe more opportunities for julian phillips especially if you know guys get banged up throughout the year um and I mean, kind of like look back. That's how Io Desumu broke in in his rookie year. You really weren't expecting him to get a lot of run with, you know, the NBA roster. You thought this would be a guy that probably ends up going back and forth between the G League and kind of floating at the end of the bench. But a lot of that energy and what he could do defensively was what got him into the into the rotation. And who knows? Maybe that could end up getting Julian Phillips in the rotation. We don't know. Um, yeah. so. I'm with you, though. I'm with you. I think Phillips, when we look back on the season that's coming up, we'll say, man, Julian Phillips got more more time than, than Dale and Terry. And like, to your point, I think it makes sense given um, the roster construction and how it, it, it tilts more toward the guard room than it does the wings and the big men. Yeah, and it... it- this also, though, like, it, it is a little concerning that we're kind of talking about that, right? Like, the two drafts where the Bulls were without first-round picks from the Vooch trade, you know, if it ends up netting you two guys that end up being solid players and you got those guys in the second round, that's awesome for 
for your scouting department. That's a nice feather in your cap. The only problem is, though, the one year you had the first-round pick in between that, you ended up getting a guy who kind of is stale and not really seeing much in terms of development. Like, you don't want that to be the narrative eventually written. I'm, I'm hoping both can break through, <laughs> you know, because that would be, I think, a little concerning just given, you know, the situation the Bulls find themselves in. And you don't want to waste that opportunity when you get, you know, a, a mid-first-round pick. So I think that would be my only... My only takeaway, if that does happen and, and he does end up getting more minutes and Dale and Terry kind of has a similar year to what he had in 2022 or excuse me, 2023. Yeah, if not scale back even more. Yeah, I, it's a good point. And, you know, I wanted to get into a little more here because we're, we're talking about, you know, the the roster. So we said 13 guys. If you include Carly Jones, Carly Jones gets, you know, waived because he's got non-guaranteed contract um, takes you back to 12. One name that kind of floated out there and this came up because of the, the, you know, disabled player exception from the LA times was that the bulls, you know, could be a threat to land Christian Wood, the forward from the Dallas Mavericks. Who's been on, what is it? How many teams? Seven, seven teams in, what is it? Eight years, seven years. Seven years, I think. Okay, so the thing with with Christian Wood, he's he's so he's such an enigma because you look at the stats on paper, you're like, damn, this guy, this guy's solid. Like this guy could be, you know, what a, a sixteen and seven guy in his sleep, and has versatility and efficiency, scoring multiple areas of the floor, but defensively, just complete ass. So, and, you know, kind of scary. He's been in a bunch of different teams over the years for, you know, the length of time he's been in the league. But, you know, when that rumor did pop up, and I know you talked about it on the CHGO podcast, he is an intriguing player. And especially for a team like the Bulls, where you don't want to scoff at adding talent, you know, I don't know. I'm kind of intrigued if it's at the right price. Like we're getting into the point of the off season where guys are really going to be locked in on more veteran minimum type contracts. So let me ask you for those that, that didn't listen to your take on the CHGO podcast. If you could get Christian Wood on veteran minimum contract or close to the veteran minimum, would you be interested? I'd definitely be interested just because of everything you said, what he brings to the table offensively, this team can use several shots in the arm on that side of the ball. It, it, it appears that they've done their due diligence bringing in three-point shooting in terms of Javon Carter and, and Torrey Craig. If you're able to add another guy who can score, who's a threat to score, who defenses can't, sag off of and Christian Wood, then I think you have to entertain that that idea. My worry would be, is he going to buy in? And do the Bulls have the locker room to keep him bought in, to keep him invested 
in what's going on here. Mm. And I don't that last that last part I'm not totally sure of. There's a lot of respect around the league for DeMar DeRozan. But I don't know if he's necessarily the type of guy that, that's going to keep other guys in line or if there's anybody else in the Bulls locker room who has that kind of personality that kind of, you know, this is the way it is. This, 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 this is, this is the direction we're, we're steering this ship. We're not taking any BS. And we saw that they needed to bring a guy in second half of last season and Patrick Beverly to help with that. They were looking at Russell Westbrook to help with that. In addition to what those two guys brought on the court, I think the fact that they were, you know, vocal leaders in their own right helped kind of nudge the Bulls into wanting to bring those guys in and to ultimately bring in Patrick Beverly in. So I don't, I'll be, to answer your question, long, long story short, I would be interested. I just would be definitely a little worried about number one, getting him to buy in and keeping him bought in throughout the season. Cause I don't know what type of role he would have if he would be accepting of their role. Yeah. And how that, how that would play out moving forward. Definitely intrigued by the fit from a basketball sense. I think there, there could be a lot of things that open up offensively when you add him into the mix. Um, you know, defensively, I, you know, a lot of question marks for me of how this fits with this team, but you know, there might be enough to kind of mask that, right? Like if you throw them into the starting lineup, um, you know, I, I think it, it depends on, on on who's on the floor with them. I guess let me backtrack a little bit. I wouldn't say starting lineup. Let's say you throw him out in a second unit and he's playing next to Patrick Williams. That certainly helps, you know, having him next to him or Torrey Craig next to him. That could help. So Caruso? You know, and Alex Caruso, yes, exactly. So you, you keep masking it, it might be able to work. But, um, yeah, like, I'm just trying to think, like, from a rotation standpoint, like, does it take away opportunities for Patrick Williams, though? Does it take away opportunities for, you know, a young piece you just brought back in Nio Um That's where I maybe get a little worried. And then also, you know, where does he kind of fit in? Does that mean Andre Drummond is the is the odd man out in this ten man rotation that we talked about? I think that's probably the most likely guy that would would fall out of favor in the rotation. Yeah, I feel like it would be like situational, depending on the matchups, uh, how how the game is going. You kind of interchange Drummond and Wood, depending on. Again, how the game flow is going and what you need at that point in time. And that would be a tough sell for for a guy like that. Like, you even brought it up. Like, would he want that kind of role, you know? Um, So it would be interesting, though, because it it gives you more options. It gives you more depth. And, you know, if you're the Bulls, can you really say no to something like that? If, If you feel he's committed and he's willing to come to you on a veteran minimum type deal. It'd be tough to say no. I mean, for me, if I were in AK and Mark Eversley's shoes and I, I did this, that evaluation of him, I sat him down and know he's committed. Feel like he isn't going to ruffle any feathers in my locker room. 
I think I'd do it. Um, the other thing that kind of throw out there, it would also give you, I think, a little more flexibility if you get closer to the trade deadline. And let's say things don't go according to plan. Now I just got another chip I can flip. Like, I think that's another thing that I might think about, too, is you know, even if I get a little something for him, you know, even if it's multiple second round picks or you know, something along those lines, it's better than nothing. And I get to recoup something for a guy signed to a veteran minimum deal. So I'd be open to it for sure. If I were the Bulls. Yeah, I I feel like they're, they're you know, there haven't hasn't been any indications that that's the direction they're going to go. But it's interesting to talk about for all the reasons we've we stated here. Mm-hmm. Um, I never thought I've never been like a, a Christian Wood guy. I obviously or honestly haven't seen a lot of him on field out on film outside of his teams playing the Bulls. But um, he, he's intriguing. He's intriguing mm-hmm. for all the reasons why said team passed him to another team. The team he was going to was interested enough in him to bring him in. Mm-hmm. It was not interested in him in the first wave of free agency, but in this wave of free agency, <laughs> I'm intrigued. Exactly. I'll put it to you like that. If you were saying, you know, giving him a, you know, deal that's in excess of like 20, $25 million. I don't know. Maybe I, be a little gun shy because of the limitations and questions surrounding him but in this case I, I think i might be open to it but again there's no real substantive you know substantial rumors or reports other than that la times uh column that was written but you know it just kind of seemed like it was more putting two and two together with the disabled player exception um which you know like i've hinted to before in the in this episode i I feel like that's more of a tool to be used at a later date as we get into the season for some type of trade. Yeah, same here. Same here. Um, you know, you, I think that plays into what they may or may not do to stay under the tax and or, you know, stay under the first salary cap or tax apron, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's kind of a, a, a decent amount of banking on the first half of next season, what direction this team may go in and what the front office may do to either break it up or supplement it even more. Mm. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Um, I think... I don't know, like, let me throw this question out to you. Um, In terms of what they need, like, if you wanted to round out the roster, what's one area that you definitely want to make sure you add just at least for depth before you get into training camp? I think I I would love to get another big man who was a threat from the outside. Mm. Um, Somebody who's a little bit different from Drummond and what he can bring to the floor. I still don't think they, they have that lead guard that for sure, this is the starting point guard in the room, but they already have such a stockpile of guards. I think you got to look elsewhere, but um, 
yeah, I think a big man who who can be a threat from outside would be a nice addition to this team. Yeah, I think it definitely would say another big man. Like I, I part of me would like to add another rim protector potentially to the mix. Um and I guess like pie in the sky, I'd love to add a true point guard, but the problem is like we talked about, there is a bit of a log jam at the guard spot. So somebody would be an odd man out, but like it would be nice to kind of have somebody that you can point to as your surefire floor general. But I think that to me is like I, maybe both of those are more deadline additions if things are going in the right direction for the Bulls. Like, so I think we might just kind of find, you know, flyers at this point in the off season. At least that's what it seems like. Yeah. Yeah. Same. I don't, it doesn't seem like they're going to really try to break, break the bank for um, one last roster spot. I think they have to have at least 14 mm-hmm. going into the season. So they still got some time. They can add, I think up to 20 going into training camp and then make cuts from there. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. We'll see. It'll be interesting as we kind of keep going into the, uh, into the off season. But this is of course, again, like we've seen in years past, you, you start to kind of see smaller moves being made. So um, definitely something to anticipate. I wonder, will we actually see like a big bombshell trade? It seems like we haven't had that this off season. Like, we haven't heard that disgruntled superstar say, I want out. Like, I think everything's kind of being held up by Dame Willard, but we haven't had that like shocking, whoa, that guy wants to get traded type announcement. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for it. I don't, I don't know if it's going to happen. <laughs> I feel like the Damian Lillard situation has to resolve, if if not before the season, shortly thereafter. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think he's, he'll end up in Miami. Agreed. But we'll, we'll see. I feel like the... Both sides are, are are trying to give the impression that they're going to play hardball, but just just the way that Damian Lillard and Jimmy Butler are kind of like trolling a little bit with Lillard playing "Welcome to Miami" in the background on one of his IG videos, Jimmy Butler doing the Damian Lillard wave off while he's on tour overseas. Like it's it's silly stuff that probably doesn't have anything to do with anything, but the fact that they're they're doing it. They're feeding into this. I feel like they have to know something or, you know, maybe they're just trying to will it into existence. Yeah. I, you think something's got to give here because it seems like Dame and his camp are not budging at all. And there's no kind of surprise team out there willing to get into the mix that, you know, might be able to, to talk Dame into coming. Um, so, and you know, the other, the other situation that probably not getting as much attention is the situation in Philadelphia, um, with James Harden. It sounds like might be a chance that, you know, James Harden actually comes into training camp with the Sixers and maybe that's something that doesn't happen until the season gets started. So, um, it's definitely going to be interesting to see, like, if we see those situations get resolved prior to training camp and, Maybe that also opens the floodgates for other stuff to happen. So we'll see. Um, before we wrap up, Drew, I want to get into a quick question about the Eastern Conference. Um, you know, there's been some interesting activity 
Um, of course, with the Bulls, it's we've been following that, and, and we've been pleased, I think, with some of the moves that have been made around the margins with the team that you know, certainly have, are better than they were uh, a year ago and better probably when the season ended. Um, but is there another team in the Eastern Conference that you've been impressed with this offseason? Um, you know, any of the teams that were in the playoff picture, out of it, whatever. What team in the Eastern Conference has impressed you the most so far? Um, I think I would probably say Indiana. Mm. The players that they've added to the mix. I think the biggest name being Bruce Brown, um, Obi Toppin, the Walker and Shepard, the rookies that they added. You know, listening to the national media talk about this team. Like, they, they talk about them as if they're going to be a, a team that's helter-skelter, you know, very much a run-and-gun type of, type of offense. And just as a basketball fan, like, I'm interested in seeing how Tyrese Halliburton orchestrates all of that. That sh- the Heat, they should be like a league pass team, I think. Mm. Um, it should be a lot of fun to watch. They're a team that I think was ahead of, if not neck and neck with the Bulls until um, injuries mm. kind of curbed them toward the end of the season, but really impressed with what they did and, and just kind of putting what seems to be like the right pieces around the guys that they already have there in place. Still my thunder. That's the one that I was going to go with was the Indiana Pacers because like you brought up the additions they've made, but if you look at that roster, man, they they're stockpiling like that. You want to talk about depth and having to make decisions on, on who's going to be part of your regular rotation gonna be tricky they got a lot of nice young pieces and you kind of wonder like are they arming themselves for it doesn't have to be this year but even the year after for another you know big move um i think like there's been kind of speculation around like you know pascal siakam do you try to make that kind of you know move and and go for it because you, you got a lot of nice young pieces on that team to go along with you know solid veterans like turner and you know, Buddy Heald's still on that roster and still you know, creating a lot of damage. And then you add you add Obi Toppin into the mix. I I still like Obi Toppin's potential. Like, I do. I know um, kind of a mixed bag with him. Because, like, defensively, there's always been issues. And, and I don't know. I'm still a fan. I think there's a, a lot to like about this team going into next year. We talked a little offline about this other team. What do you think about Cleveland? I'm so, so with Cleveland. Like I thought this was a team that could take that next step, but to me, it just seems like there's something missing, even though you have Donovan Mitchell, who's a superstar, you know, you have this defensive twin towers with Jared Allen and why am I blanking? Uh, Evan Uh, Evan Mobley. You also have, you know, Darius Garland and and you add Max Struess, but not sure what to think about them. I, I, are they ready to take that next step up? I like what they did this offseason, too. I think impressed might be too strong of a word, the one that I applied to the Pacers. But at the least bit, I'm I'm intrigued just because they have in Max Truce and or George Niang, two guys who can actually shoot the ball um, to kind of mix in with Garland and Okoro. I'm sorry, Garland and Donovan and Mobley. 
um, and Jared Allen, whereas they kind of were locked into trying to plug whoever was hot that night, it seemed like, between Okoro and Osman, um, maybe Dean Wade, if I'm not mistaken. So I, I think that they made the proper moves. I'm very interested to see how Max Struess looks with them in comparison to what we, we've seen from him with the Miami Heat. I think he could be a missing piece for them, but they also got big boyed in the playoffs by the New York Knicks this past season. So there's, there has to be growth elsewhere, not just, you know, a fifth guy who can knock down a shot um, and be able to play off of those playmakers they have over there. So it'll be an, another interesting team to watch this season um, to see if they can take a step forward. Is there a team that you think is being overhyped in the Eastern Conference? Ooh. <laughs> I probably would say the Orlando Magic. And only because I just I just need to see it. Like I've I've been told and you know, I can see with my own eyes that they have a nice collection of young players, um, nice collection of guards. They have a nice little stockpile of guards too. But I just need to see it. I need to see it coalesce into something meaningful and a team that can actually contend for a play-in spot because I don't. They're not going to be a fifth seed or better. So I just, I just need to see it. I'm, I'm not trying to sell them short, but show me. You can, you can show me better than you can tell me. Yeah, like you want to see what, what do those young pieces do? Like, what's the next step in their evolution? Right. I give you a great example of that. Like, you remember back in the day before Jimmy Butler made his way to Minnesota, saying they got you know Zach Levine, they got Carl Anthony Towns, they have Andrew Wiggins, and you thought oh, they're just like another legitimate piece away from making noise. And then you kind of saw like, well, actually, no, this is just who these guys are. You know what I mean? Like it, it happens sometimes. Like it doesn't always come into fruition. So yeah, I'm with you. It's something I'm interested in seeing. Like what's, what's next for the Orlando magic. Cause um, they definitely have some interesting pieces. You look at shit, Franz Wagner, Paolo Banchero, I'm still kind of like, I think I struggle to say anything good about Wendell Carter Jr. sometimes because <laughs> I got burned with that. You know, prior to the 2020 season, I was on a podcast and it was a um, podcast through a site. I think it was, I forgot what the name of the website was. It didn't last long. Um, but the guy brought me on to talk about the Bulls because I had the guy that founded their website on uh, Rebuildable. And he asked me, his name is uh, Harry Shaw. He's got a podcast called the Shaw's Law Podcast. He asked me, he's like, who's, in your opinion, player to watch for the Chicago Bulls in 2020? And I said, Wendell Carter Jr. Wendell Carter Jr., I said, was the guy to watch in 2020. And I'm like, I think this guy, and I decided to be bold for some reasons, I think this guy could actually be the most improved player in the NBA this year. And then, you know, he came out, I think, and had that, hysterical like what oh for whatever from three when he started to do that and i just looked like a headache on my face so maybe i'm just burned by that that bold prediction backfiring on me seeing him shipped off to orlando feeling a sense of relief and now kind of watching him play well i just maybe it's my own problems i got to deal with on that one (laughs) but yeah no i i get you it's like a team that 
you definitely see the the intriguing pieces. Does it all fit together? And do they actually then take that next step up to compete for a playing spot? You know, kind of like a team like the Oklahoma City Thunder, right? Like that's a team you start to see it all kind of come into into place, right? All the pieces starting to come into place, and now it's now you kind of know what the direction is. What are the incremental moves to make next? And I think that's what we're going to wait and see with with Orlando this year. Is like, are they on the right track? And then what are the additional pieces that have to be added to get them even a step higher? Yeah, exactly. I mean. You know, having Shea Gilders Alexander over there, all NBA caliber player, helps a great deal. I don't know if you know Paolo is is very good in his own right. I don't know if they have an all NBA caliber player over there just yet. You know, it's still very early. I feel like if anybody on that roster could do it, it'd probably be him. You know, like if, if he could take that next jump. And you usually see it with guys like all develop isn't linear. You know, we were talking about like Io DeSumo, like sometimes it might take you a little longer. Um, and sometimes you might have a really good rookie year, a terrible sophomore year, and you bounce back. A lot of guys go through sophomore slumps. But usually you see with guys that kind of get on that all-star track, year two is usually the year where, you know, you take that next leap up. Like, you know, not to lump them into this category, but think about like Derrick Rose, right? Like, Derrick Rose had a, a rookie of the year campaign, followed up then second year with an all-star campaign, and then just kept, you know, going in the right trajectory. So be interesting to see. I, you know, it's it's definitely cool to kind of see this with the Eastern Conference because I think Miami gave us hope that there's maybe a and really the Denver Nuggets too, that there's a different way of building basketball teams. It's not just I need to have the best superstars. And I'm Look, I'm the asshole that's always subscribed to that. But I think it's safe to say, like, some of that's changing. If you have, you know, two surefire core pieces, superstar, all-star level talent, and you kind of fill it out with, like, really subsequent pieces, good pieces around the margins, you can compete. And I think we're starting to see that maybe more in the NBA, and it it could make for more parity, which is great. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think I read somewhere that the there's been five different NBA champions the last five seasons, so that kind of goes right into mm-hmm. the the idea that the NBA is 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 um, getting less predictable, I guess, in terms of who's standing at the mountaintop at the end of the the season. Um, I think you make a great point about Miami and, and Denver, where it's not necessarily a collection of superstars, but rather a superstar and the right surrounding talent around said star that's able to kind of catapult those teams to, to new heights. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that the bulls, or I know that the bulls don't have that level of, of star on their team. Bingo. I was just going to say that, <laughs> which, which is a lot of the reason why many people wanted this team blown up. Part of the reason why, part of the reason why. And, and it's also the reason why you really have to hit on the margins even more so because those guys have to be supplemented in a way that the Giannis's or the Jokic's um, don't because they are at such a level and they can, they can carry a team on their, on their back um, to such a great deal or distance that 
DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine, who are very good players in their own right, just can't um, because of certain flaws or styles of play. Oh, agreed. And and that's the thing. Like it, it does come down to the way you construct the roster. And if you, you have that star in your grasp, it's really important to to fill out the rest of it. Now, if you don't have that star, though, I do think there's an advantage to saying somewhat competitive, but you really have to hit on the perfect pieces for your rotation. And even though, like, I agree with with a lot of what's been said about the Bulls offseason, I do think they hit on the margins. But I still think there's some key voids here. And I, I feel like there's kind of like two conflicting objectives kind of going on developing these young players that are raw and probably need more touches versus having like three guys that work best with the ball in their hand at all times. And it's kind of a weird setup where, you know, these other teams I think are better at like kind of being able to, I don't know, kind of weave it all together. And we just haven't seen that with, with this bulls core. And I think it's, that's part of the reason why it's like, well, we kind of saw what happens with this already, and there might be a predictable shelf life because of that. Yeah. Yeah, that was a big topic of discussion last season when this team was struggling and, you know, people were clamoring for Dale and Terry to get more minutes or for guys to be traded off, but instead they go pick up a grizzled veteran in Patrick Beverly and continue to stay the course and – same thing this offseason. Uh, solid pickups in Javon Carter and, and Tory Craig, but don't necessarily know where this, this end game is, is going. It's true. But they're going to be a better team. I, I think if they're, if they're lucky enough to be 95% as healthy next year as they were this past year, they should be a better team. I don't know if that's going to translate to them being able to host a playoff series and, and be a top four seed, but they'll they'll be better. I don't have a lot of um, doubt in my mind about that. You know, to me, there's one guy on the roster that can change the narrative. One guy. Take a guess who it is. Uh, did he recently have a child? Don't know if I've been paying that much close attention. I <laughs> <laughs> did he hit a home run in the celebrity? Uh... No, he did not. Oh no, it is not Zach Levine. Okay, okay. I actually think the the guy that holds the keys to changing the narrative on on the Bulls' trajectory is Patrick Williams. Mm. Because to me, if Patrick Williams takes another step this year, okay, that I think that could change a lot of where the direction of this thing goes because it, it could make a situation where if next year, you know, he's giving you more consistency offensively. There's then a, I think a, a shift in direction of your core, because now I have a younger piece with high upside who's shown me progression from year three to year four. And now that guy could be part of my core if that guy's part of my core, now I might be a little more intriguing to the rest of the league. I could have somebody that I can build around or build with. 
And I think that's important. So if he does take that next step, I think it does kind of change that trajectory of the Chicago Bulls because, you know, regardless of what happens with, you know, DeMar DeRozan this year and, you know, even Nikola Vucevic, like, if you have that piece in Patrick Williams available to you, you know, after DeMar's contract's up or, you know, maybe even, you know, a couple years after Vucic deals up, it definitely gives you, I think, more more hope and, and more ability to have flexibility too with what you can do because it, you might not be reliant on having to bring DeMar DeRozan back. You know, you might be able to, you know, look to a future without him a little, little easier and then open yourself up to more flexibility on pieces you can add. So. I think I largely agree with you. I think, um, you know, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, and Nikola Vucevic are floor raisers. Like, you're only going to be – you're only going to bottom mm-hmm. out but so far with those guys on your team. To your point, it's got to be Patrick Williams. It's got to be, to a lesser extent, Kobe White that can help raise the ceiling on what this team can do uh, moving forward. I, I, I'm hopeful, but I just don't know how big of a leap Patrick Williams can make. Part of that is his mentality, but mm-hmm. another part of that is what you, what you talked about earlier, just the fact that how much can he develop on this team? Mm-hmm. You know? I think he deserves to be in the starting group um, with his shot making and his defense. But I could also see him just as well coming off the bench with Kobe White and um, continuing to grow in that role. I think obviously the Bulls need him to take that starting role and do wonders with it. But I I can see kind of both, both paths with him. Yeah, it, man, season's still what a little over two months away. <laughs> like, I really want to just like fast forward right now, but <laughs> we can't. I'm curious how how he looks. I'm curious how Io looks. How Kobe White looks. You know, does Peter Patton put in the work to help these guys improve with their shooting? I, I want to see it. I definitely want to see it, and I definitely want to see what that rotation looks like with these new additions. So can't get there soon enough. Drew, any final thoughts before we wrap up? Um, no, I appreciate your kind words at the beginning of the show. I don't, I don't want you to sell your own self short or not toot your own horn, or maybe I'll do it here for you as well. But, um, you know, Big Dave and Matt Peck speak highly of you. I think people around... Bulls Twitter, they know you. They know what you bring to the table. Um, you're very insightful. And I just want to make sure that I, I say that because I don't want this oh, to be shucks. a, you know, a, a, I don't know. Well, <laughs> whatever it turned out I'm, to be in the beginning of the episode, because you, my friend, were here doing just well, just fine before you invited me on as your, as your co-host. Well, I definitely appreciate the kind words. Thank you. Um, but I think insightful, not necessarily a knowledge, but I incite a lot of anger or negative feelings. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe sometimes. I don't know. Um, no, I appreciate the kind words. Thank you. But it's been an interesting 
you know, few years with this podcast and everything. But I definitely think having you on as a co-host has definitely brought a, a fresh kind of perspective and a new flair to the to the podcast because there was certainly a point where 2022 where I hit a wall. I was like, I don't know what to do anymore with this, you know. So definitely brought it back and and being able to do it consistently again and and get back into it. It's it's been awesome. So yeah. But enough enough of this ass kissing. We gotta stop it. <laughs> you know, I I think I think listeners are just like, okay, come on, enough. Enough already. I'm sure. It's 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 over for now. I had to make sure I spoke my piece on it. I, you I appreciate know, it. Gotta, you gotta get your flowers while you're here, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate <laughs> it. I'm, they smell lovely. Um <laughs> well look, we're gonna continue to to keep this podcast rolling especially through the the dog days of the off season, probably have some interesting you know, topics that, that might be a little off the beaten path, but it'll be fun. For all the latest updates and any thoughts that we have on the Bulls, you can follow us on Twitter or X or whatever the fuck they're calling it right now. Uh, I'm at mgentile88. Drew's at look what Drew did. The Rebuildable Podcast is at rebuild underscore a underscore bull. If you want the latest episodes right at your fingertips right at your feed best thing to do is to subscribe we're available on all the major platforms spotify apple Podcasts, stitcher google wherever you get your podcasts we're there for buildable podcast as we start to get into the dog days of the off season and start getting ever so closer to training camp you definitely want to be there and you definitely want to listen so with drew stevens i'm Matt gentile And we'll catch you soon. Thank you for listening to the Rebuildable Podcast. Be sure to check us out and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever else you stream your podcasts.